Well, we've been going through this series called God's Perspective on dot, 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 and we've hit a couple topics, and whenever we decided to do this series, um, I saw the topic of God's Perspective on Work, and I uh, felt like that was something we really needed to talk through, and right away, right away, I knew God had given us the right person for the job, and it's Dwayne Balmer. I asked him to preach this message. Dwayne is not a preacher. He would tell you that. Uh, he, uh, he has preached this message several times. He's rehearsed it. He is ready to go. And I'm excited about what God's laid on his heart. I'm excited that we all get to hear truth preached from this man today. So Dwayne's been here a long time. Most of you do know him, but if you don't, I, I hope that you take the opportunity to, you get to hear his heart today. So thanks, Dwayne. Glad you're being obedient to the word today. Yeah, welcome everybody. Thanks for being here today. Uh, I do count it an honor and a, and a privilege. Um, I know most of you, but I don't know all of you, which is an awesome thing. Um, I've been a part of Journey Church um, since the beginning. Uh, my wife and I were here for close to eight years now, so seeing this room full uh, sort of gets to me. It's, just, it's, it's such a, an amazing thing how God has been a, been a part of this from the very beginning. So I'm one of the elders here. Uh, I've been, been a part of the, the leadership team for a while. And yes, I am not a preacher. I'm not afraid to talk. Uh, I'm not afraid to share, but uh, this is a weighty thing, and I think you all know that. So when I get up here to stand before you to talk about God's Word, uh, it, it carries a weight for me. Um, so I'm excited about what we're talking about. And um, yes, Adam asked me to preach on work, and uh, I didn't know where to take it as a... Dustin, you're supposed to be his expert. <laughs> I'm not going to stay still. You're going to have to figure it out, Chief. All right, I guess I got to stay back. No lunch for you today, Dustin. Um, so anyway, I, I was excited about preaching on, on work, and uh, I will admit I, I preached just, this, uh, just last night to an audience of some hay bales and a cornfield and my dog. And about halfway through, my dog got up and left. So I'm not sure if that is a meaning or a sign from God, but I'm, I'm hoping you don't get up and leave halfway through. So let's open in prayer. Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for the blessings of being here today. And I do pray that you'll prepare our hearts this morning, God. Lord, use me today to, to bring your word, which is the truth. And challenge, I know you've challenged me these past couple of, of weeks as I've been thinking about this. And so I pray today that the challenges you've revealed to me would be uh, the same challenges that these folks receive today. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, I don't know what you spend most of your days doing and most of the time in your life doing. Um, maybe you're a golfer. Um, maybe you're a bowler. I know we have some bowlers here. Maybe you like to eat. I love to eat, so I'm kind of a food junkie. But the other week I was at a, a seminar, and uh, they put this chart up about what people's lives are mostly spent doing. And people spend an average of nine hours a day working. The next closest thing is, is sleeping, is like eight hours a day. And some most of us, probably, that's a little tipsy. Nine hours a day probably is you work more than that. But point being, I got to thinking, if we spend that much time in our life working, doesn't it stand to reason that we should incorporate our faith in that? Because that's where we're spending our time, all of our, all of our waking hours, often. Um, I, was, uh, I was thinking of the uh, definition of work, and it says exertion or effort directed to, to produce or accomplish something. And I wanted this sermon to not be about um, 
only if you're getting paid for what you're doing. If you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a grandparent that's caring for your kids, do you exhort effort, and is there effort directed to produce and accomplish something? Yes. So if you're, if I want this really connected to no matter what you're doing. It's not just about people that are getting paid or have a nine-to-five job. Um, no matter what you do, God has a plan to be used to use you in what you're doing. Um, if you're a teacher, if you're a mechanic, if you're a truck driver like myself, a salesman, mailman, all those things have purpose um, for, for God. There can, you can find purpose in it. And I think through the, through the lens of God's Word, we can figure out what that purpose is. My story, I thought it would be important to tell a little bit about my story, my background of work. Um, I was born one of six children, and we grew up on a farm and in a family business. Our family business was propane. So yes, if you've ever watched Hank Hill, we sold propane and propane accessories. That's what we did. <laughs> so we were familiar with propane and we were familiar with work. So growing up at a young age, I was trying to recollect what some of my first jobs were on the farm. And I remember picking rocks was something we had to do. I'm the little guy that looks confused. That's me with that little. <laughs> but picking rocks was a job that kind of happened on the farm. And that was, that was something that we were all supposed to do. And I, I soon realized that picking the rocks was really hard work. And that the person who was driving the tractor, that had to be the job to have. So I soon quickly migrated to driving. And I can tell you some stories, and I won't this morning, but I loved driving at a young age, and I've, I still love to drive. So I figured out where, where to put myself to put my energy, which was, which was driving. And I, I must admit that early on, I didn't make a connection between my spiritual life and work. It was just work. And it was, I did enjoy it, but it was, it was no, no more than that. Um, but I also realized that as believers, as growing up, I was blessed to, to be raised in a Christian family. And I quickly realized that that is part of our ministry, is what we do. And I can remember uh, on one of the jobs on the farm was making hay, baling hay, or loading straw. And I can remember on more than one occasion, you know, back-breaking work, we loaded hay, we'd take it over to the neighbors, and we'd stack it in his barn for him. It'd be hot, and I'd be sweating. I'd lose like 10 pounds. You can't tell that today, but I have lost. I was actually skinnier at one point. I'd lose weight, and it was hot. And I just remember at the end, my father, who I love him, he's here today, would go and deliver the bill, and it'd be like, we're selling this at cost. Why, why are we doing this? Why did I just go up there and sweat, almost lose my life, so I thought, for, not, for what? Well, to me, as I got older, I realized it was really a, to bless those, those neighbors, to bless those people that maybe were less fortunate. There was all kinds of reasons. So it was, it was more than just the money. So we were taught at a young age, our work wasn't just about making money. It was about honoring God. And if it was worth doing, it was worth doing well, no matter what the job was. So even in loading that hay, we took pride in how we loaded those things. And that's one thing I learned growing up. And I, re I eventually realized, uh, no matter what the job was, it wasn't about money, um, and it was about doing things well as unto the Lord. So what does God's work, what does God's word have to say about work? That's my background in it. But is there really anything in God's word that helps us understand better what we are to do? In Genesis, I went right to the very beginning, obviously, is, is the best place to figure out. Genesis 2, verse 5, and I, I'm going to be running through a lot of scriptures. If you want to look through them, that's fine, but... Um, the reason is, this is not 
Dwayne's sermon. This is a sermon out of God's Word, and so to me, it's crucial to have things tied into God's Word. So I'm going to run through a lot of Scripture here today. So Genesis 2, verse 5, the second part of it says, And no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord had sent rain, had not sent rain, and there was no man to work the ground. Talking about work. And then Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord took man, put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And it's kind of the connotation of there was a, there was a task at hand he had to perform. In Genesis 2.19, maybe you're a project person. This, I think this was, from what I could understand, is one of the first projects God gave to man. It says, Genesis 2.19, The Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called them, that was his name. That was really man's first job. Probably good that I wasn't there because I, didn't, I don't have a grasp of the English language or the language of the day. First steer I would have saw, I would have said, like, that's a Big Mac. That's a big, no doubt about it. That's a Whopper. That's how I would see things. The point being, there was a task at hand. God had a plan for man. It was more than just existing. It was to keep the garden. The story goes on, and you know, you know, the, you know the rest of the story, but... And her sin. When sin came in to this world, it changed what work was, right? The fallen man, he made his, this glorious job that, that, that God had given man to do, now became different and changed. Genesis three, seventeen through 18, it says, Because you have listened to your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. Because, you, because of you, in pain, you shall eat of it all your days. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. And that's true. The other week I was out, I was working a field at our place to uh, plant a, a pasture. And, I, and this picture came to me like, this is all weeds. There's nothing here but weeds. I didn't plant those weeds. In fact, I would have rather not have them there. But it was a reminder that that curse that happened years and years ago is alive and well, Right? If you have a garden today, if you have a yard, you don't plant weeds, they just come up. And that's a thanks to sin entering the world, and this is an ever-present reminder that sin changed things. God had a perfect world. When sin came in, it changed it. And those weeds are part of that, part of that reminder to me. Um, work is hard still to this day, and things grow different. They, they don't grow as, like they did in the garden. Um, God had a design to benefit us. With sin now, it became something that required sweat. According to Genesis 3.19b, the second half of 19, it says, By the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. So as a, reserve, as a result of sin, uh, he could no longer just keep the garden. It became work, hard work. Many people throughout the... As you go past, come out of, the, uh, come out of Genesis and go in through the rest of the Old Testament... There's mention of, of many craftsmen, many people that were given the ability, carpenters, goldsmiths, all kinds of people. So work was a part of society and was a part of God's plan. He used people to build the temple, right? He used people to rebuild the walls of Jericho and Jerusalem. He, he, used, he used men and women to further the kingdom, to do things uh, in society. So I was wondering what the purpose of work really was. What is the purpose of work? We know that God designed it. We know there was reason. He gave Adam a task, and, and, and past that, there was, a, there was things that people were asked to do. But what's the purpose of work? 
Well, according to the world, it says, the world says, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? Isn't that a saying you hear a lot? I believe he who dies with the most toys has the biggest yard sale, right? That's it. It's all stuff. It can be expensive stuff, and it might be a really expensive yard sale or an estate sale, or it's junk. But in God's eyes, it's all junk, right? So the world's idea of what work is for really is faulty. It means nothing to God. So I looked up some scriptures here uh, of, what, of exactly what the purpose of work was. And second, this is a hard word to say for me, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians 3, verse 12 it says, no such, person we, no such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So I believe part of the purpose of work was to earn a living. So we don't have to depend on others, right? So we can, we can provide for ourselves. That's what, it, that's what it's talking about in, in that passage. In Proverbs 31, 27, this is talking about godly women, and it, but it also refers to work. It says, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So she's keeping, the, the, the reference there, she's keeping herself busy, taking care of her family. So, so work was to, to earn a living, to support ourselves, and also to care for those in our household. And then in uh, Ephesians 4.28, this is talking about how uh, a changed believer or changed hearts of a, of a, of a man, um, it says... Therefore, having put away falsehood, that each, of, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Wait a minute, I'm sorry. I'm not reading 28, there we go. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. This is the part that, I, that jumped out at me. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So to help those in need. So to me, the three purposes of, of, of work that I got out of out of those scriptures were supporting ourselves so we're not a burden to somebody else, right? We don't have to live on, there's, there's welfare, there's things to help people when they can't, but when you're, a, when you're able, work to support yourself, work to support your family, take care of, of those around you, and then bless those, or work also to bless those, to help those in need. So we see God had a plan for, for humanity throughout scripture as it pertains to work. But does God's, word, does, God's word, does God's word give us any really detail of how to work? I want to remind you, as I read these scriptures in Titus, um, it talks about slavery. And so slavery of Bible's time, of biblical times, was, was way different than the, the slavery of the last 100 years. There were two uh, basic types of slavery that existed in Bible times. Those that were taking slaves in war. Joshua chapter 9, it talks about the Gibeonites. Uh, as a peace treaty to the, with the Israelites, they gave themselves as slaves to the Israelites to, to avoid, avoid a battle. Uh, the more common slave was one who had voluntarily sold himself or had been sold by his parents to pay off a debt. That'd be handy nowadays, wouldn't it, parents, if you could pay off your kids to pay? It <laughs> doesn't work that way anymore. But in, in Bible times, that was a common currency. So just as I'm reading these the verses in Titus, don't get wrapped around the fact that it's talking about slaves. In, in, in Bible times, uh, it was more like an indentured servant as opposed to slavery. So my view of this passage in Titus is that it applies to workers uh, as well as slaves. So Titus 2, 9 and 10, it says, Bond servants 
are to be submissive in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. And why? So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. Talk about a code of conduct. You've probably already, maybe you're at a job where you have a code of conduct. They give it to you the first day you get there. But that's a code of, it's a real code of conduct. I want to apply it to our jobs today. Well-pleasing. In other words, do people enjoy being around you? Do people enjoy working with you? Or when they, when, do people volunteer to work with you? Not argumentative. Pretty self-explanatory, right? If your coworker or supervisor says black, do you say white? Do you just take the opposite side of the argument just because you can and you want to? Not being argumentative. Not pilfering. Do paper clips and pencils really count for pilfering? They say it's like a multi-million dollar cost to industry today because of all the paper clips and paper and pencils that get taken by employees. Not pilfering. And then in the end it says, but showing all good faith. In other words, honesty, trust, sincerity. And sometimes in my mind I think, okay, that's good. What's the opposite of that to make a real connection? The opposite of that is lack of honesty, lack of trust. So which of those two best describes you? If you, uh, your job's over at 5 o'clock, by 4.30 have you already disengaged and said, I'm leaving at 5, so I'm not really going to do anything productive for the last half hour. That's a problem in today's society. Or you, your job starts at 9, but you know if you get there by 9.10 and 9.12, the time clock doesn't really count, so you can get an extra 10 minutes that you're, not getting, you're getting paid not doing anything. Which of those categories does that fit in? Is that good faith or bad faith? So what's the purpose? What is the purpose of all those things I just stated? So that in everything, they may adorn the doctrine of, of the faith. In the NIV, it says, which makes it clearer to me, it says, make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Can you read that with me again? In everything, no, you're not reading it. <laughs> In everything, they adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior. But you say, God doesn't know the bozos that I work with. God doesn't know these people that I'm working with. How am I going to adorn the gospel of, the faith, of my faith with, with these people? I say to that, God created those people. Trust me, God knows them, Right? God knows them. What if, what if, just what if you were put in that job to work with those bozos, right? What if you're put in that job to work across the table or across the desk or across the shop so that you can in everything adorn the doctrine of God our Savior? Wouldn't that change our world if we took that, if we adopted that as a, as a motto for work? What if we had an attitude with our less than attractive coworkers? There's the one, you, you know who they are. They're like, they're just like, ah, oh, they get under your skin, right? They, like, they annoy you so much. And we, and we all have them. I, 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 we do. But what if we viewed them in the light of the gospel? Wouldn't that be a church on mission? Guys, we're here today. The church is here 
Not because we come in here. This is great. This is a beautiful building, and I love seeing it full. We're the church because we go out, right? Because we take what we know here, and we take it out. Today, I'm applying that to work. But wouldn't our world change if that was our attitude? I heard a speaker the other day uh, talk about how much he loved God slash didn't love God. And he told this story, and, and it hit me. Um, he was at work, had a lunch break, and had a, a short lunch break. He w- went out to a little local restaurant. All he wanted was a half an hour of peace and quiet. He didn't want to hear anybody. He didn't want to be bothered. And he orders a sandwich. He sits down. In walks this young lady with a child that is mentally uh, disabled, and she's disfigured, and she's disruptive. And sure enough, she orders her lunch, and she comes down. She sits right next to this guy in the next booth. He's like, ah, oh, this is the last thing I needed today. You know, this, this, this young lady who was, who was challenged was, was noisy and, and disruptive, and he couldn't eat. He was, just, he was just annoyed. In walks another mother with another little girl, orders something, and as her mother's finishing the order, this little girl walks over to this, this girl who's loud and annoying, and she gives her some type of a craft. He didn't, I don't remember what he said. It was either a card or a flower or something, and gave it to that little girl, and she said, Jesus loves you, and I love you. The guy's like, wow. Talk about getting hit across the head with a two-by-four. He said, and this is the statement he said that really, really struck me. He said, we love God no more than we love the least desirables in our lives. Hear that again. We love God no more then we love the undesirable people in our lives. Wow, that hit me. And I'm thinking, okay, that sounds really good. That's a cool story. I, I was intrigued. But is that in God's word? Does it say anything like that in God's word? Or is that just really a cool story? Matthew 25, 40. It says, Truly I say to you, as you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. It's a direct correlation, I believe, to how we treat people how we show our Lord and Savior we love him. I believe most of you here today, if I ask you to raise your hands, you love the Lord, you'd say, absolutely, I do. Does the world around you see that in our actions? Do they see it in my actions? I've had more than one occasion where I've got a, had a conversation with someone on the phone. I hung up the phone, and I'm like, there's no way in the world this guy knows that I'm a believer. Because I had to be right, I had to be argumentative, and I had to stand my ground. And I was even correct in my, in my assumptions of what the conversation was, but I didn't adore in the gospel. He had no way of knowing that I loved Jesus by the way I treated him. That hit me kind of hard. I want to look at Acts 18, 1 through 3. This is where we see Paul uh, during a missionary journey. It says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. He found a Jew named Aquila and a native, of, a native of Pontus, recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had, no com- had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, and they were tent makers by trade. The story goes on about how Aquila and Priscilla worked together with with. Paul, because he was a tent maker, they, they, they obviously also did ministry together. Because in the end, uh, they enter in a disciple named Apollos, who was a, 
became a believer and started to teach, and they were, they were ministered to by Aquila and Priscilla, and I believe all because of what Paul spent time with them. He rubbed shoulders with them, taught them how to disciple, how to disciple and how to be disciples. To me, that was another example of how God ordained work. He, gave it, he was working at a tent maker to take care of himself so he didn't have to impose on anybody, but while he was working, he was ministering, right? And out of that, and in the end, Aquila and Priscilla actually had a church plant, a, church, a house church, and started a church in their house. So I think it's another example of exactly how our, how our vocation can be a part of our ministry. Here, here at, uh, at Journey, we talk about uh, discover, disciple, delivery, deliver. <clears throat> That's exactly what <clears throat> we're talking about. Discover. We want to discover the truth in here. We want to understand it. We want to disciple. We want to grow. We want to be involved in small groups. We want to be involved in, in Sunday school. We want to be involved in ministry. And then we want to deliver what we have, what we know. We want to take that out into the world. <clears throat> our work should be our mission field. And guys, I truly believe that. I believe the best way we can affect this world, this world that Adam shared this morning about the hate and disgusting acts of this world, the best way to affect that is, is taking what we know out into this world and being there. God has placed us in our jobs today. <clears throat> I'm not talking about the job you're going to have tomorrow or hope to have tomorrow. I'm not talking about the job you used to have, which was so great and it's different. I'm talking about where you are today. That job today is where God has you for a purpose. If we viewed it in those, with that mindset, I really believe we could affect the world in a positive way. How would your perspective change if you had always in the forefront of your mind, although my job today is to deliver propane or to deliver the mail or to, to file things or to teach or whatever your job is, what if that was your task for the day? But my mission today, my mission today is to do what we just stated, deliver uh, to, to adorn the gospel of Christ. What if that was your mission for the day? How would that change your day? How would that change your perspective? And we often think of mission as, this, as missionaries. I'm sure we, when you say the word missionary, I think of uh, Barb Wooler, who's, a, who's a, a lady that's a missionary in Africa, way off in some distant, ground, distant land. Or you think of Pastor Adam, or Pastor Adam. You think of, of the church. That's, that's where the mission happens. You know, you know that's not true, because you know mission, the mission field is right outside these doors, right? Up and down 611. You don't have to even walk too far and you're, and you're right into op opportunities for mission. And we can't affect our world in, in one day. I mean, it's, it, it can happen, but you, you can't change the world in one day. You can't change that coworker in one day. You can't even change them sometimes in a month. There's a saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Same thing for ministry. How do you change the world? One person at a time, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. It's, a, it's, it's the same application. What could be more rewarding? I know it's hard. It's, it's painful work sometimes. It's challenging work. It's frustrating work. But what could be more rewarding than knowing that in light of eternity, you affected your workplace? You made a change. I'm a, I'm a fairly simple guy, so I like to have lists. So I came up with some, some things, some practical ways we do. Sometimes you, people speak and you're like, that was great. I have no idea how to use it. That's how I feel sometimes. I want to make this practical today. Things we can do 
the process to start changing the way we think at work. First and foremost, to be an example. One of the best ways to live out our faith is to follow Titus 2, 9, and 10, that code of conduct we talked about. That's a pretty tall order. Show up when you're supposed to show up. Keep your workspace clean. Keep your work truck clean and organized. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. I feel that as, as Christians, if, if we really were, were Christ followers, wouldn't our workplace change? What if we were the most sought-after employee to have? What if Christians were, were so good at what they did, people loved working with them, and they were so trustworthy, couldn't we change the world? Couldn't that happen? I mean, if, if Christians were really as good as what God's Word says, and, and, and companies wanted the best, and they came after Christians, what an opportunity we would have. We know that's not true today, but it can be true for you. You can do the best you can do. You can make a difference where you work. It's not always the case, I, and I've, I've been a part of that on both sides of that, of that example where being a positive example, and I've already walked out of a situation, like I said earlier, where I was like, that was, that was a poor example. And when that happens, the other thing you have the opportunity to do is say, listen, Brian, I screwed up today. I lost it. I got upset about something that was totally meaningless. I apologize. There's opportunity for you to share your faith even that way, even when you, because we're not perfect. We, we know. Those people that get under your skin, remember the guys I'm talking about? They're like, Ugh. it's going to happen. It happens to me. But when it does happen, the difference as believers is, instead of going outside and talking at the water cooler to Joey or Billy or somebody else and saying how much this guy's a Yahoo, you go back to him and say, look, I apologize. I lost it in there. Leave your comfort zone. So often we want to serve God on our terms and in a safe way, right? We can serve God in here. It's pretty easy amongst us. And, but leave that comfort zone. I read this uh, a year ago in a book, and I highlighted it, and it just jumped out at me as I was preparing this sermon. By the way, if you ever want to be convicted of anything, prepare a sermon and try to deliver it because God's going to convict you. This past week, I had to apologize to my family, to my wife, to, to my brother, to my nephew. It was crazy. God works, and, and that's by getting in God, God's word. It says, you cannot take steps of faith inside your comfort zone. You can't take steps of faith inside that comfort zone. So if you really have faith, you have to get outside of that. We see it all through the Bible, right? All those stories that we've read through the Bible, those men, that, men and women that did amazing things were outside of their comfort zone. And I had a, 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 a friend of mine who was in the same business as I was who um, ran a, a, a large transportation company. And if you needed anything in transportation, he was the guy you talked to. He was, he was it. And... Um, I had an opportunity to become a friend with him over the years, and we worked together on, pro on projects, and we had some things that he asked me to do that I'd say, no, you know what, I just can't do that. Well, that's, not, that's not what we're about. And I had an opportunity one night. I remember Jen and I were like, you know, we're going to just take that next step, and we're going to befriend this guy. We're going to go down. So he invited us down, our family down, um, at his house. It was a huge, he's an Italian, so there was food everywhere. There were all kinds of, it just, it was amazing. As I got to know this guy more and more, I remember after about a year and a half, I said to Jen, I said, we have to take that step 
that next step, which was sharing our faith. We just have to. I'll, I'll share that in a minute. That was part of stepping out of my comfort zone was that first conversation, to look beyond work and to think about how God was going to use me potentially in this guy's life. And God will do that for you. God will put somebody in your heart and on your mind from time to time. And it's not by accident. If that person, you think, how can I ever affect this person for the gospel? If God continues to put it on your heart, don't, don't neglect that. Don't avoid that. Thirdly, look for ways to serve. I think as Christians in the working world, God often takes us close to where the needs are. I think so often God takes you in your workplace, right? You're rubbing shoulders with those people, right? Pastor Adam isn't going to be in there rubbing shoulders with those people, but you are. He's distracted because I want to do what he's doing, laying on the, on the seat right there taking a nap. <laughs> um, sorry, now I totally lost my train of thought. He, he puts you, he puts you where, where, the, the, where he needs you most. Um, take a few moments and listen to a coworker. I mean, I mean, really listen. And I guarantee you within, I dare say, five to ten minutes, you'll hear a need. Maybe it's, maybe it's a ride home from work they need. You know, maybe it's, it's an it's a ailing parent that they don't know how to handle. Maybe it's a child that's just reckless and, they, and, and they're brokenhearted. You don't have to be a psychiatrist, but you can just be a listening ear. So often, when you take that extra couple minutes, and it, it always amazes me, it's, it's really only a couple minutes of your life, but if you take it and truly listen to people, they'll share their need. And, and right away, you have an opportunity because you'll know where the needs are and you can serve. Maybe it's dropping them off. Maybe it's taking them to work. Maybe it's just taking them out for coffee and having a conversation. They'll be drawn to the love of Christ, I believe, that you're showing them, and they're going to want to know more. Jen and I always laugh because we're like, how do we always attract these people that have problems that seem like huge? Like, how, how do we get in the middle of this? Last two Sundays ago, I was doing a, uh, they asked me to do a, um, a vow renewal, like me. And in the, in the last minute, they had six couples up there who were doing a vow renewal. I'm like, what? Where, how did this happen? <laughs> but I had an opportunity to share what we believe. And so often, it, that starts with those conversations. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. But those first conversations are crucial. So look for ways to serve. Finally, share the truth. No one should expect to benefit from Christian love, from your Christian love, without understanding or being presented with the truth about the one who compelled you to love on them. Nobody should expect to get good things and to, for you to be a blessing without having you explain to them, this is why I do what I do. This is why I'm different. This is why we love you. I don't, I don't, we don't have a lot in common, but I love you because... You're a lost soul, whatever that is. I think that people have to, you have to share the truth. To some of us, this is the most uncomfortable thing. This is the part where we're jumping out of our comfort zone. Maybe, you're, maybe being an example is not hard for you, and maybe even finding ways to serve is not hard for you, but sharing the truth is hard. I can only say, trust me, not too many years ago, you'd have never put me up here. 
God has a way of working through you. If you're really committed to sharing God's word, getting God's word, pray about it, he'll give you opportunities. So the day we shared truth, as I was, that story I started earlier, Jen and I went down one night for dinner with this couple, and I said, okay, I'm going to, tonight's the night, we're going we're gonna to do this tonight. We, we bathed ourselves in prayer, we went out for eat, and that was one of the only times in my life when I wasn't hungry for a steak. We ordered steak, and I just wasn't hungry because I was just nervous, you know, because I knew what I wanted to do. And as God always does, he showed up in an amazing way. And I didn't know what I was going to say. I didn't even know exactly, because I'm not super, I'm not a theologian. I barely went through 12 grades of school. But I said to him, and this is, a, this is a, an Italian guy, he's, he's a tough nut. I said, dude, I love you too much to not tell you what I have for you. And I'm like, I'm waiting for him to react like, dude, what are you talking about? But he was receptive to the message. We got to share what we believe. And later that night, we went back to his house. And I remember thinking, I don't know what to do next, Lord. I did what I was supposed to do. He brings up the conversation, and I said, well, is there any reason you don't, wouldn't want to accept Christ into your, into your heart? No. Why didn't you ask me before? That was his comment. What are you waiting for? That's how God works. So there's, it's, it's not going to happen that way every time. That was a uh, relationship that was probably four or five years long in the process. But we need to share, share the truth. In the end, what really, in the end, that's what really is, what it's all about, right? You are to live lives worth living, represent Christ as, we, as he deserves to be represented, love the less desirables in our lives as we love Christ, and in the end, Share our faith through word and through deed. Now, guys, we can't do any of this. This is all just baloney if you don't have that truth yourself. Right? And we can't do it. I, Dwayne can't do it on his own because I have to fully understand. I have to fully rely on, on Christ, and I have to understand what he did, what the gospel means. Right? It's by faith we are saved, not of works. These good things are all good, but they're because we love Jesus. So we have to get an understanding in our own hearts of what that gospel means, right? We have to understand, as Adam was sharing this morning, what, what Jesus did on that cross. It's an amazing picture, right? He died for all of us. So to recap, God's example to us. We talked about an example. God's example to us by the way he demonstrated his love for us by working out his plan of salvation. How amazing is that? God was that example. We talk about being an example. He gave us the example of, of sending his son to die on the cross for us. We didn't deserve that. In fact, we deserve to be on the cross, right, if we're honest with ourselves? I know I do. I know God had a plan for me, and only by God's grace was I able to ask him in my heart and change it. But what, what an example God gave us. Send his son Comfort zone. Jesus sent his son, Jesus, I mean, God sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus left his comfort zone of heaven to come down here. Talk about working with bozos. That was, that was what he did, right? He came down to earth to live amongst the sinners, to be a part of this culture. 
He understands what it means to leave your comfort zone. Ways to serve. As king, he didn't come down here to, to be served, which he, which he deserves. He came down to serve. Jesus was that great example of how to serve. All you got to just read through the New Testament, and you'll see all the things that he's done. And the truth. He not only shared the truth, he, he was truth, right? That's what truth is. Jesus himself said, my work is to do the will of my Father. That work was to demonstrate the Father's love on the cross for sinners, sinners like you and for me. We were enemies of God. Before that happened, we were enemies of God so that we could become Christians who exemplify to others the love of God, the love God has for us and the love God has for those that we work with. Our work should become our witness Our work should become our worship because it's an intentional response out of God's love for us. That's really what it's about. Hard to believe that God would do such a thing for you and I. Hard to believe not only would he do it for you, but he'd do it for that person that you can't stand that you have to work with. God loves all those people. I'm going to close with this verse. This is one of my favorite verses Um, Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working unto the Lord and not for human masters. With all your heart as working as unto the Lord. So my challenge to you today is, in all that you do, no matter whether it's a menial task or you're, you know, a supervisor or you're CEO, whatever you are, as unto the Lord. Give all those things to God keep a perspective of exactly how we are to live as Christians. I want to close in prayer, and I want you to uh, take a moment of, of silence, and I want to call you to, to something. So let's, let's bow our heads. Lord, thanks again for the opportunity this morning to be on mission. Lord, I pray that the words that you revealed to me these past several weeks challenged, I know they challenged me, I pray that they also challenged those in front of us here this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that uh, if there's individuals in our lives, in the lives of those around us here today, put them on our hearts. Put that name in in the front of our minds. Challenge us to be an example, to step out of our comfort zone, Lord, to serve. And then, Lord, ultimately, Lord, give us opportunities to share the truth because I know that's what you have for us, Lord. You don't call us to something and not give us opportunities and ways to, to fulfill it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for that gift. And I pray today that as we are reminded of what you did for us, as we are reminded of our work as more than just work, but as mission, may we take it outside of these doors and share that to this lost and broken world. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.